Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. First of all, I'd like to let you know about another podcast you might enjoy. From Gen Z Media, the Peabody Award-winning producers behind hit podcasts like Six Minutes and The Unexplainable Disappearance of Mars Patel, comes Becoming Mother Nature. When Chloe is sent off to live with her mysterious and eccentric grandmother, she learns an unbelievable secret. Grandma Ivy is none other than Mother Nature herself. And Chloe is next in line to assume the power and responsibility of the job. Can a 12-year-old learn to balance the entire world's ecosystem while just trying to fit in at her new school? Only Mother Nature knows. You can listen to Becoming Mother Nature wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm heading out for a backpacking trip soon, and the place I'm planning to go is a mountain range that is notorious for terrible mosquitoes. I am not someone who does well with mosquitoes. Normally, going to a place where the bugs are so bad would worry me. But I've recently started using a type of repellent that works really well. It's made by one of our sponsors, a company called Sawyer. Sawyer's picaridin bug repellent is way less nasty than DEET, it doesn't eat through your gear, and it is remarkably effective. When I'm using it, I'll watch mosquitoes come up to me, and then they literally turn around and fly away. As I mentioned, Sawyer, the company that makes this repellent, is one of our sponsors, and they have a special deal for out there listeners. For 25% off your order at sawyersafetravel.com, enter the promo code OTPOD25 at checkout. That's SawyerSafeTravel.com, promo code OTPOD25. I've always been a worrywart. I stress out over details. I double-check and triple-check things that don't really need to be checked on. And I generally assume that whatever I'm doing, something is bound to go wrong. I don't like this about myself, but it's the reality. So I've always been intrigued by people who are not like that. People who are able to go through life with minimal stress. Today's story is about someone like that. A man who is able to keep his cool even when he's in the middle of frightening situations. It's a story that takes us out into the desert of Arizona and explores how our perceptions of danger are shaped. Max Wasserman has the story. David and I went to the same high school, and we've spent a lot of time outdoors together, mostly road trips and backpacking, although now we live on opposite sides of the country, so I mostly hear about David's adventures as opposed to being a part of them. On a recent phone call, David told me a story that really got me thinking about how we, as humans, handle danger and fear. He and some friends were target shooting in the desert outside Tucson, Arizona. There's cacti and roadrunners and a dirt trail they're following on some ATVs. And then 
two of the guys that's what they were brothers, they had like a brother rivalry, so they wanted to do a race. And so the first brother goes and we hear mariachi music, which is pretty normal. Normal because they're close to the US Mexico border. They hear singing, there's gunfire. It sounds like some people are just messing around. It's pretty normal to hear there. Because it's just people get a new gun or something, they want to try it out, and they go shooting. So, like, you heard this, and, like, you and your friends were just like, whatever, we're going to keep going with this race? Yeah. But then the gunfire was super loud, and you were hearing the (laughs) sounds. At this point, David realizes they are literally being shot at. So he grabs his ATV and, along with one of his friends, makes a run for this ditch. Then our friend came back, so he was like, hey, guys, what's up? What's my time? What's the time, bro? And he was like, get in the ditch. And he was like, what's going on? And then the, he heard the sound, too, and all the fire. And, and he just immediately started screaming, you know, stop shooting. Uh, wait, were you, like, I can't tell if you were scared during this or not. It was, like, alarm, but not, like, terror. Alarm, but not terror. I don't know about you, but if people were shooting at me, I'd be a lot more than alarmed. And maybe part of this has to do with the fact that David is white. But I've also known David for years, and I've seen this calm in the face of danger side of his personality reveal itself whenever we travel. I'll be fretting about the weather or the timing of a train, and he'll be sitting on the bed of our Airbnb playing with the owner's cat or something nonsensical like that. More than anyone else I know, he's the best when it comes to handling stress. I've actually been thinking about the comparison a lot lately. Why is it that David can handle stress this way? Why do some of us move through the world with more fear than others? In many ways, it's the classic debate of nature versus nurture. And if you ask David's dad, he'll say it's a little bit of both. I'm Tom Klavoski. I'm David Klavoski's father. We live in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we've lived here for the last 22 years. And uh, it's been a pleasure, you know, raising David to, to be the person he is today. Tom works in the banking industry. And while he's not an expert on the whole chicken versus egg question, he is an expert on one thing, David. Probably David was between, you know, three years old and, and five years old. And we would just... Uh, go out into the desert behind the McDowell Mountains. So probably 20 minutes from where we live. Tom says David's relationship with stress and the outdoors can be traced to this small mountain range outside Phoenix, Arizona. They would spend hours here, rock climbing, hiking, and scouting views of the desert valley as it stretched endlessly towards the horizon. I think there was this natural curiosity to it all. So he never looked at the world as a threat. Um, he looked at it as, you know, things that you could learn or experience um, from a super young age and was uh, exceptionally... Sort of Together, powerful. they'd go on to backpack the Grand Canyon, wander through pitch black caves in New Mexico, and watch impossibly bright stars in the middle of an ancient petrified forest. And, and really, it's, a, it's all about adventure. I think life should be an adventure. And I think you have to have sort of the idea that you know, being surprised by something, not knowing what something is going to turn out to be is okay. Sometimes this meant suffering through temperatures well north of 100 degrees just to find a small indigenous artifact. 
and it's two feet high and six feet long, and the rest of it's gone. Well, we're going to go find this thing. And then you go out there, and you don't find the thing because it's two feet tall and six feet wide. And you're just sort of out there, and you're like, huh. Most of the time, the reaction was just that, huh. But other times, it was more like an oh, crap. Uh, so we've been attacked by javelinas. We've run into rattlesnakes. And, They'd and, run across animals or encounter nasty weather. The winds were so strong. We had this really large like cabin tent that it was compressing the, the tent down to about two feet from the ground. And the next morning when we all got up, um, I don't know, do you remember the uh, TV show uh, with the SSS Minnow, Gilligan's Island? The tent looked like the boat. There was these giant rips. There was these holes. All the bars were bent in multiple directions. The, the tent was not salvageable. But no matter what happened, David always had this calm headspace. And I remember uh, David waking up, and he's got, like, sky above him. There's, there's no canopy over his head. And it, it wasn't like, he wasn't even scared. He was like, ah, looks like something happened last night. And uh, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> yes, yes, something did happen last night. And uh, he just slept right through it. You know, you, if, you, if you think of a kid who gets raised growing up in front of a TV or playing video games the whole day, versus a kid who gets to wander an ancient site on a Saturday, like they're going to have different perspectives as they grow up. David was in high school when he first realized the things other people stressed about, say, getting into an Ivy League college, they didn't really bother him as much. He'd take difficult classes just to see how he'd do, then spend the weekend rewatching another Ken Burns documentary. And the older David got, the more visible this part of his personality became. You know when you like finish a summer or something, somewhere they'll do like a a little evaluation, like a little performance evaluation. Yeah. Well, I worked at a construction firm, and I was told that I was too even-keeled. Too even-keeled? <laughs> too even-keeled. Like, he wanted me to He said he never saw me get angry, and I thought that was a weird thing to say. Like, <laughs> he wanted me to see me get angry. Depending on your mood, this part of David's personality can come across as grounding, aloof, or, at the very worst, insensitive. Like, take me as an example. I'm an anxious person. I panic over missed trains and flights, whereas David treats these things with seemingly straight-faced apathy. This can feel invalidating, and it makes me wonder sometimes how much he really values me as a friend. So sometimes I feel like I could be a, uh, probably a victim of the bad because people interpret that as just not plain old not caring, but you can all, you know, there's a difference between kind of shutting off like the whole like fear of consequences and, you know, full on not caring. It took me years to understand the difference. David's not apathetic. He cares about friends and family. He's just really good at tuning out fabricated risk, the stress we make up in our minds, which gets us back to this question of why David is this way and why some people see the world through different shades of fear. But first, a short break from our sponsors. Hey, it's Willow. With all this talk of stress and fear and anxiety, it seems fitting that one of our sponsors is centered around counseling. 
BetterHelp offers affordable online counseling to clients around the world. When you sign up, they'll match you with a licensed therapist to meet your specific needs. You can meet with your therapist online, over the phone. You can even communicate by text. As someone who has suffered from depression and anxiety myself, I can tell you that getting help from a professional is a game changer. It can help you unpack what's going on inside your head. It can help you feel seen. And it can give you the tools to work through emotional turmoil. Since BetterHelp is one of our sponsors, they have a special deal for you. You can get 10% off your first month of counseling by going to betterhelp.com slash out there. That's betterhelp.com slash out there. Support for Out There also comes from Kula Cloth, a high-tech pee cloth for women and anyone who squats when they pee. If you've never used a pee cloth, it's very simple. You just use it to wipe whenever you pee and then clip it onto your pack so it can dry between uses. That means that when you're out in the backcountry, you only need to use toilet paper for number two. Trust me, it's wonderful. For 15% off your order at kulacloth.com, enter the promo code OUTTHERE2 at checkout. That's K-U-L-A cloth.com, promo code OUTTHERE2. And now, back to our story. So when we left off, we were exploring how my friend David is able to keep his cool in the most stressful scenarios. And his answer... Uh, it could just simply be personality, but it could also just be exposure to certain situations growing up. There's actually a small but growing field of research that supports this idea of exposure. The earlier people are introduced to the outdoors, the better equipped they are at handling stress. All stress. This might explain why David didn't worry about grades in high school, or why that one boss thought of him as too even-keeled. David isn't just attuned to risk in the outdoors. He's attuned to all risk. And his experience in the backcountry may explain why. And I think David and I have virtually identical personalities in this way. Again, this is Tom, David's dad. His idea of parenting didn't involve keeping his kids out of harm's way. Instead, he actually brought them into harm's way. At least, that's how it looks on the face of it. Like, take this one time David and his dad are hiking through a canyon, when all of a sudden, they encounter gunfire. We're coming out of the canyon, and all you hear is just, and it sucks, because you're in a canyon, and it's also in the canyon, and like the only way back to the car is to go through where you hear the gunfire, so there's a little bit of panic. You're like, oh my god, we actually cannot pass through this barrier. Apparently, this happens a lot. Yeah, there, there's, it's been multiple times. Wait, this has happened there, multiple times? Yeah, this has happened probably three to four times out, out in the desert. So, um, And David's not been on all of them, but we've, we've gotten shot at a, a few times. Yes, you heard that right. David's dad took his own children into the middle of a desert where, on occasion, they encountered gunfire. I don't blame you if you think that sounds crazy. But... Instead of, say, canceling these trips, David's dad just figured out a way to account for this type of risk. So my philosophy is that, you know, if you see someone with a gun, you, 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 you just disappear. You go the opposite direction, you move and get, get out of there. 
He taught his kids how to assess for actual danger. He showed them how to calculate real risk and to use their heads. And over and over, things turned out fine. So David learned how to tell the difference between frightening and truly disastrous. This is the exact mindset David had when the same thing happened to his friends. If you remember, they're racing their ATVs in the desert when all of a sudden these bullets start flying overhead. Everyone is scared, including David. But he doesn't panic. Instead, he switches into this mode and starts analyzing the situation. Because like the reality was that if I just stayed on the ground, I could not be hit by a bullet. Like, there was just no way the geometry would work out. David didn't cower in this ditch, thinking, oh my god. He paused and considered the actual danger. These people weren't malicious. These bullets were an accident. And as long as they stayed in this ditch, they'd be fine. And they were fine. David and his friends all made it back to the car unharmed. When I ask David to reflect on this encounter and the question of stress, he brings up this really interesting point. What if the thing people are afraid of isn't the outdoors, but the idea of failing? And I think that's the thing, because I think a lot of people learn new things and they kind of tried something they shouldn't have tried and they fuck it up and it's like, oh God, that was a disaster and you kind of learn from that. This goes towards a question I often ask David, which is why hasn't he stopped putting himself into frightening situations? He's seen things fly off the rails so many times. Or at me... I might have considered other hobbies. But you could also say David hasn't really failed. For as often as things went awry on his and his dad's trips, he's never been seriously injured. He hasn't lost a limb or a friend or a relative. Maybe he's just been lucky. But by putting himself into frightening situations over and over again, he's also gained valuable survival skills and knows when fear is truly warranted. Do you ever think about, like, how um, arbitrary it is, what hobby your dad had when you were kids, and how, like, you could have had a different, like, childhood, like, memory? <laughs> well, actually, yes. Uh, you know, like, Family Guy, how, like, every week, Peter Griffin has, like, a new idea, and he goes and does it, and it affects his whole family? Yeah. That's that's kind of what it was like. This week is scuba diving week, or, like, this week we're geocaching, or this week we're really... Really, I really like the rock climbing phase. That was one of my favorite phase. After talking with David, I wondered whether this last incident would keep him from shooting again. Or at least that's what I would have done had it happened to me. But then again, my definition of risk is different than yours, and it's definitely different than David's. So I shouldn't have been surprised when, a couple days later, David sent me a text. It was a picture of three ATVs being towed by a car. Along with the pictures, he wrote a message. It said, quote, we're headed back out. That was Max Wasserman. If you liked this story, check out the podcast he's producing. It's called Everytown, and it's about a shadow campaign to remove immigrants from one of the wealthiest parts of the country. It's a serialized podcast with elements of mystery and news, and it's the type of thing you would enjoy if you liked Serial Season 3. 
You can check it out at everytownpodcast.org, and we have a link to it on our website as well. If you're enjoying out there, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your recommendation helps new listeners find the show, which is so important for an indie podcast like us. Plus, we might read your review on the show. Here's one review I particularly liked. It's from a listener who referred to themselves as Kinbit. They wrote, quote, Listening during the workday transports me away from my desk and into the wild. It makes me able to smell the fresh pine and see the path in front of me. Thanks for inspiring me to keep adventuring and exploring our world. End quote. Thank you, Kinbit, for the kind words. That's it for this episode. Our strategic advisor is Alex Eggerking. Our advertising manager is Jessica Taylor. Sheba Joseph is our audience growth director. Our interns are Kara Schaefer, Aja Simpson, and Natalia Luderman. Our ambassadors are Tiffany Duong, Ashley White, and Stacia Bennett. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>